I've got the glasses this morning so I can read. Y'all, listen, I got through the first service. I got to the second service, and it was like, I can't find a good distance for this Bible. It was horrible. Uh, so I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1, and we are going to read through verse 14. And the Word of God says this. Now, I do not want you to be unaware. This is Paul writing the church in Corinth. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. All passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, since they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as an examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. And don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Uh, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, He will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. And perhaps you saw it, our but God moment, uh, there in verse 13. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, uh, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. And uh, as we mentioned last week, we were in the same book. We were just in chapter 1. I said to you that the church in Corinth had all kinds of problems. So last week, we just talked about the divisions. Uh, When you move on from chapter 1, Paul stops talking about the divisions they have and starts talking about all the morality issues they have. And he's kind of continuing that now. And and, and he's he's been addressing, he's been telling them, like, listen, you got to act right. You've got to start making the right choices. And then here, when we get to chapter 10, verse 13, he drops this amazing uh, little nugget of truth. And, and he's basically saying, like, listen, you've got to live right. It's going to be hard because uh, you're going to be tempted to do all the wrong things. But he says, but God, when you are tempted, like, he, he's, he's going to provide a way out, right? But, but God, he's going to be faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And, and with that in mind, there's three things I want to share with you this morning about God's faithfulness when we face temptation. And here they are, okay? Here's number one. I want you to know this morning uh, that for our good and God's gain, God allows us to be tempted. For our good and His gain, God allows us to be tempted. Uh, tempted. For our good and his gain, God allows us to be tempted. And, and there, I, I think there's three reasons that God allows it, right? And, and these, again, are not in your notes. So this is your extra, right? But I think there's three reasons. And, and the first reason that God allows us to be tempted, uh, and, and again, it's for our good, right, is, is God does it uh, because facing temptation actually makes us stronger. Did you know that? 
you know that facing temptation actually makes you stronger? Uh, this is what Paul writes in the book of Romans, Romans 5, uh, 3 and 4. He says, not only that, we also boast in our afflictions. Uh, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Well, do you know what that word affliction means there, y'all? That word affliction literally means pressure. <laughs> pressure. When, when you, I, I can't think of, of a better image for what temptation is, right? It's like a constant pressure to give in, right? So Paul's writing the church in Corinth, and he's like, hey, this, this is, God's going to allow this, um, but it's actually going to be for your good. It's going to be for his gain. Because listen, when you face that constant pressure to give in, right, eventually it builds up in you uh, endurance, the ability to withstand, right? And that endurance produces character. It actually changes you. It makes you able to overcome. You get to look back and go, oh yeah, I got this. Like, like it, it actually makes you into a new person and that proven character ultimately produces hope. Hope I can overcome. Hope this too will pass. Hope Jesus is coming back for me. Hope God is restoring all things. Hope, right? And, and James writes something similar in James chapter 1. Uh, James writes, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And he says, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, lacking nothing. That word trials there, again, literally means internal temptation to sin. Put that in context, Right? So, so consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience internal temptation to sin, right? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There's that word again. The ability to withstand. So when I am tempted to sin consistently, right? It produces in me the ability to withstand. It, it teaches me who God is for me that I can stand up against it, that I can be who He says I can be, right? And, and listen, that ultimately, Paul says, or uh, James says, leads to completion and maturity, where he actually, like, listen to those words, where you lack nothing. The person that gets this, the person that understands that God allows you to be tempted, so that... You can withstand. He says, man, that person, as they, they, they learn that endurance, man, they, they lack nothing. That's, that's huge. It's huge. So, so the first reason, right, for our, for our good and his gain, God allows us to be tempted. The first reason I think he does that is because it makes us stronger. The second reason he does that, in my humble opinion, is because it shows our constant need for him. Because it shows our constant need for him. Jesus said this in, in John chapter uh, 15. He says, I'm the vine, uh, you're the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Right? We're not going to that second point yet. Remember, I got three things under the first point. So, uh, so he says, I am the vine, you're the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And so for our good, for his gain. So the first reason... God allows us to be tempted, right? It's because facing temptation makes us stronger. The second reason, I believe, right, is because it shows us our constant need for him. So think about this. When we're tempted, uh, I, I think one of two things happens. Either we immediately cry out, oh, Jesus, help me, because we, like, we're very aware, I'm not going to overcome this on my own, right? And so, so we rely on Jesus, or two, we don't and we fail. <laughs> That's what happens, ultimately. If you don't turn to Jesus, you're going to fall, Right? And when you fall, what does it show you? Oh, God, I need Jesus, right? 
Hey, they both do the same thing, that God can actually use your failure to, to make you turn back to him and say, oh Lord, what an idiot I am. You are so good. I can do nothing without you. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm the vine, you're the branches, the one who remains in me, I am, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me, right? And I honestly believe God allows us to face temptations so that we'll realize that truth. We can do nothing without the Lord. But I think there's one more reason that we face temptations. I really do. And I think it's because it shows us the need for our whole world to be restored. Again, this is bonus material. Just, I, I think when we face them, it shows us our need that the whole world needs to be uh, restored. I don't know if you caught this and... and uh, let, let's see if we can go back to that key verse on the screen. I, I'm going to be all over the place. Uh, this, is, this is slide number three for you guys upstairs. It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Except what is common to humanity. So I just want to start there, right? That, that, that should say something. This isn't a you problem. I love you. I know you're like me. We are self-centered, aren't we? It's all about us. Oh, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody knows how hard it is to be me. Nobody knows what it's like to have the past that I have, to have to deal with the, the stuff that I have to deal with. Yes, actually everyone knows. Everyone, right? Because we live in a fallen world and there is not a single temptation that you face that is not common to all of humanity. Yours has little different tentacles than mine has, but it's all the same, right? We all live in this broken, fallen world where we're all constantly feeling the pressure of temptation. So when you try to use what you're going through to explain how rough your life is and explain away your bad choices, I'm just going to say to you in love, shut up! Like, I'm in the same boat that you are. We all struggle. Like, I get it. I know that, like, listen, my dad left too, right? I know what that looks like. I know what rejection feels like. I, I know what it is to step into addiction and to have to come out of that. I know that when you come out of addiction, there's not a single day in your life that you can't remember how easy it is to be caught up like that, right? Guess what? The majority of the world does. They've just done a really good job of hiding it from you. No temptation has overcome you. That's not common to humanity. Uh, Paul writes it this way in Romans 8. He says, we know that the whole of, whole of creation is, is groaning together, right? He's saying, listen, it's not just humanity that's broken. It's, it's, every, it's all broken. It's all broken. And I honestly believe one of the reasons that God allows us to face temptations on a regular basis is to remind us this is not our home. We should stop living like it is, Right? He is in the process of restoring all things, of making all things new. He wants to remind you that you're fallen and so are the people you need to reach. And so are the people that you're going to sit in a pew with. Like, let's not be that church that when you walk through the doors, we act like you've got to have all your mess together to be here. Amen? Because that ain't church. That's some kind of Christian club. That's some kind of holy huddle. And those people, to be honest, if, if you got it all together, why are you here? Right? We are here because we need Jesus, because we live in a fallen world. So the first reason, uh, guys, first point, right, is for our good, for his gain, God allows us to be tempted. Second thing, though, I want you to know this morning is this. Because of his faithful love for us, because of his faithful love for us, God never allows us to be tempted beyond what uh, we can withstand through the Holy Spirit 
Okay? Some of you have never added that to this sentence. Okay? God never allows us to be tempted beyond what we could withstand through the Holy Spirit. Okay? And He always provides us with a way out. And He always provides us with a way out. That's a lot of blanks to fill in. I'm going to give you a second. Okay? I know it's a long point. I wrote it. Because of his faithful love for us, God never allows us to be tempted beyond what we can withstand through the Holy Spirit, and he always provides us with a way out. Okay? Um, I, I, I think it's really important to note there uh, that he never, again, allows us to be tempted beyond what we can withstand through the Holy Spirit. A lot of people misquote this verse. God will never give you more than you can handle. No, God always gives you more than you can handle. He never gives you more than he can handle. That's what that verse means. Without the Holy Spirit, we, John 15, like we just read John 15. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing, okay? So God will consistently put more on your plate than you can handle, but he will never put more on your plate than what he can handle, okay? And the same is true when God allows you to be tempted. Uh, the Bible's very clear that God does not tempt us. Uh, God's not evil. God doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be tempted. But he'll never allow you to, hand, uh, he'll never, uh, allow you to be tempted beyond what he like, through him, with, you can withstand, which is way more than you think, by the way, okay? And I know this is weird, right? Because this point says, because of his faithful love. So that's like an oxymoron in our minds, right? Wait, because God is faithful and he loves me, he allows me to be tempted. That's hard to wrap your minds around, amen? Like, what kind of love is this? I don't understand it. And I kind of equate it to what happens with uh, Jesus and his good friend Lazarus. Do you guys remember that story? It's in John chapter 11. I'll put it on the screen for you. So Jesus is out doing ministry, and here's what it says in John 11, 5 and 6. It says, now Jesus loved, he loved, just like we're talking about faithful love. So he loved Martha, uh, and, and, and her sister, that's Mary, and, and their brother Lazarus. So he loved Lazarus, okay? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, and Jesus, by the way, knew that he was dying, so he loves Lazarus, but when he hears that he's sick, he stays two more days in the place that he was so that Lazarus could die. That's the context, right? Now, anybody else think that's a weird kind of love, right? <laughs> Wait a second. He, he loved Lazarus, so he didn't save him. He let him die. Why? Because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus so much that he wanted them to experience who he really was. Which is crazy because when he shows up, Martha says to him, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And, and then he, he's going to talk about the resurrection. And she goes, no, I know that there's going to be a resurrection. She had knowledge of, of resurrection, but she didn't have experience of resurrection power. And Jesus says to her, no, I am that. I'm the resurrection in life. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay, I believe God allows us to be tempted because he loves us and he wants us to experience who he is, not just have some knowledge of who he is. He wants us to experience his constant presence. He wants us to experience his spirit living and, and working in us, allowing us to overcome all that we face. One of my favorite scriptures when it comes to temptation is Galatians 5. 16, and it talks about this experience of his spirit. It says, I say then, walk by the spirit, and you certainly will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Right? So when we understand God's love, and God loves us so much that he's given us, right? Uh, like, like, listen, somebody says, well, why would God allow me to be tempted? Okay, it's a really loaded question. 
Uh, first of all, remember God is restoring all things. Uh, that restoration process uh, was really birthed, really began with the sacrifice of his one and only son for your sake so that you could have eternal life. That's the biggest thing that needed to be restored was the chasm between you and God. Okay, so that all, that, that change uh, isn't just with you, but all of creation, and it's going to be consummated when Jesus returns. Meanwhile, he's given you a job to do. He says, you're going to be my mouthpiece for this great heavenly cosmic reconciliation process. And you're going to go out and you're going to tell other people about me so that they can become my kids too. And oh, by the way, uh, in, in that, you, you don't get to do that in a vacuum. You have to do that in the same fallen world that my son came uh, and lived the perfect life in that you couldn't, right? So in, in this place, he, Jesus actually says, you're going to have trouble, right? You're going to have trouble. So, so here's where we are. We have trouble. We're constantly tempted. But, but God, right, who's rich in mercy, he does this amazing thing. He gives us his spirit so that we, fallen people like all the others we're trying to reach, can actually walk in victory through the power of His Spirit, and people will go, whoa, what's up with you? Right? And we get to go. There's a God that loves you, that wants to reconcile you to Himself. He sent His only Son. This is how my life has changed. I'm not perfect, but man, I'm in process. Right? That's what it's about. Okay? So, we begin with this truth that for our good and this gain, God allows us to be tempted. We move on that because of his faithful love for us, God never allows us to be tempted beyond what we can withstand through the Holy Spirit. And he always provides us with a way out. And uh, our final point is this, that God does this. God does this so we can experience the power of Christ's resurrection and we can learn the importance of abiding in the Spirit. Again, God does this so we can experience the power of Christ's resurrection, and we can learn the importance of abiding in the Spirit. Okay? God wants you, He wants you to experience victory through Him. So back to the story of Lazarus. Right? Back to the story of Lazarus. Uh, Jesus shows up. This is Martha. Uh, he's having a conversation with her. Runs out if you'd been here. And so this is what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, after she said, well, I know that one day we'll all be raised again. No, Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He wanted her. He wanted Mary. He wanted Lazarus to... Ex now, Jesus is about... He's, he's almost at the cross, y'all, at this point. When, he, when, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, this is the nail in the coffin. For they're, they're going to kill Jesus, and now they're also going to plot to kill Lazarus because so many people flock to Jesus because of the change in Lazarus. And, and listen, it's all because Jesus wants them to experience who he is. Right? He wants them to experience uh, uh, his resurrection. He is the resurrection in life. I want you to experience that. I don't want you just to think about it. I want you to know it. And the same is true with you. God wants you to experience resurrection power in your daily life as you overcome the temptations you face. He wants you to experience. That's Paul. Oh, to know Christ. To know his, his resurrection, right? This is, we're meant to know it, to experience it, not just in our head. Jesus said this in John 16. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. You're going to have suffering in the world, uh, but be courageous. 
I've conquered the world. Other translations say, I have overcome the world. The implication is that we can partake in that. That through Christ, that we can literally experience the resurrection power that he has, and we too can be overcomers. That's the point. That's God's goal for you. God's goal for you is not to be miserable in sin. It's not for you to just be tied up in temptation the rest of your days. God's goal for you is that you would face temptations and you would learn that He was always with you. That He never leaves you or forsakes you. And that He provides you the power to be an overcomer. And that you, just like He, can be an overcomer of sin, of temptation. Right? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now sometimes, I want to tell you, that change is going to happen immediately. Some of you, you, you have something in life happened like that. You had one of those moments, and it was bam. Like, I had one of those moments, just bam. Now, it took me a year to get to the bam, but I'm just saying, like, when it happened, I was like, woo, all right, all right. So some, some of you have that, but, but for some, man, this, this is going to be a long, drawn-out fight. But the focus from God's side of the sky is still the same. He wants to produce fruit in you, fruit that will last, abundant fruit, Okay? And fruit, hear me, it only comes through the struggle. If there's no struggle, you guys may remember this from when we did our God of the Valley series. If there's no struggle, do you know what a, 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 a vine does, what a grapevine will do if there's no struggle? If, if the soil is just super rich and there's no rocks and there's no lack of water, that thing will become the biggest, fattest vine on the face of the planet. It'll never produce any grapes. It'll be a heck of a vine. I, if you want to, you know, go try to swing on that sucker, you can do that. No grapes, no fruit. There's got to be struggle. And then, the, 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 literally, then the, the plant goes into like, oh my gosh, i gotta, I got to save myself. And it produces fruit, right? To treat, like just for survival. Okay, there's got to be struggle for us too. There's gotta, it's, it's part of our growth. It's, it's, it's literally for our good and for God's gain, for the kingdom that we do these things. So what do we do with that message? Uh, that, that God wants to provide a way out, that he's faithful, he doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond uh, what we're able. There, there's a few things. Number one, and guys, I feel like I keep beating this drum, but it's so important. Uh, first and foremost, you have to trust Jesus. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to love you enough right here to say uh, you can do nothing without him, period. Some of you walk through the doors and your marriage is falling apart or you're facing some kind of addiction. You're trying to work through some kind of 12-step program. You're trying to do that on your own. You, you will fail without Jesus. I love you. Now, you may have a little temporary success, but I'm just telling you, ultimately, with, without the grace of God actively in your life, it's not going to work. And so first and foremost, we have to start at, 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 at literally the, the most important decision in your life, and that's to receive Christ. It's not complicated to do. Uh, literally, you, you can cry out, God save me. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. God save me. And I'm a sinner. I need help. Save me. He will answer that prayer. It's not that I think in church we've made it really complicated. It's not that complicated. You can pray that prayer today. God will honor that prayer. Second, uh, once you have, and, and I know that's a lot of you in the early service, a lot of you are brothers and sisters in Christ, um, I believe the call is to stand firm and to look for the way out. Okay? God allows temptation, okay, but he never gives you more temptation than what you can face through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you face that temptation, he always gives you a way out. So I know this sounds silly. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, okay? But for some of you, it's just time to stand firm. 
Okay? Do you know what the Bible says about the devil? Right? The tempter? Do you know what it says about him? Does it say that you have to attack him? Does it say that you have to come up with a great plan? Does it say that you have to come up with an amazing scheme? Does it, does it say that if I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, then he'll finally leave me alone? You know what it says? It says, stand firm, let nothing move you, resist the devil, and he will he'll flee. Temptation's going to come. It's going to beat against you. Standing firm involves putting on the full armor of God, which includes uh, the, the sandals of peace. Right? They have those hobnails I get to dig in. Got my shield of faith to extinguish the flaming air. He- the helmet of salvation. We just talked about trusting Jesus, right? Breastplate of righteousness. Going to have all those things. Temptation is going to f- come. Our, our job is to stand firm. So firstly, I say to this, and I love you, stop giving in, by golly. Stop it. Stop it. That's, that's dumb advice, right? But it's so true. Like, we shouldn't have to say this. If you've got an area where the enemy's eating your lunch, just stop. Like, just stop. Don't put yourself in this situation. I'm an alcoholic. Don't have a business meeting at the bar. Don't go to the liquor store. Don't walk down that aisle, right? Drink iced tea and go to the bathroom a whole lot. Like, just drink, like, whatever. Find some kind of, like, it's not, just stop. You've got to stand firm in it. At some point, every person whose life has been changed had a moment when they said, no more. I'm done. No more. At some point, we have to stand firm. The second thing we have to do is we've got to take the way out. You've got to take the way out. For some of you, you're like me, Okay? You need a little help seeing the way out. I don't always see it well. So part of my prayer, Lord, like every, every prayer I pray pretty much in, in includes this, God grant me wisdom. God grant me wisdom today. I need it. I need to see the way out. Sometimes I need God. Like I'm like, Lord, I need, I need neon. Out. Exit. Right here. Pray that. God. Show me the way out today. Show me the exercise. I don't know what area you're being tempted in, but I guarantee that every single person who walked through these doors is tempted in some way. Maybe right now you're tempted in sexual sin. Maybe right now you're tempted in your thought life. How many of us have not wanted to murder at least one person this week? Right? There was somebody. Right? Today, like, okay, we won't get into the, but somebody, 65, driving 35 in a no-pass zone. I just went, what are you doing? It was, an, it was an Amazon driver. I was like, don't they monitor your every move? Somebody docked this pay. I was bad, I know. Bad thoughts. And Jesus says that's the same as murder. So I'm struggling with that as a murderer before you this morning. Eventually, I just passed. It was okay. Lord, forgive me. Every single one of us. Maybe you had thoughts about somebody that belongs to somebody else, or you looked at somebody that belonged to somebody else, or you, I mean, you, you judge somebody. That you should, like, every single one of us has some temptation we are facing. So you've got to stand firm. You've got to start asking God, God, I need to say the way out. Lastly, uh, is we need to pursue the things of God. We need to pursue the things of God. Again, Galatians 5.16. So I said, you walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. If you pursue God, Man, greatest way out for temptation if you're struggling is, is literally uh, don't worry so much. I mean, you've got to have some defense. I, I hate telling people, like, don't ever have defense. Like, guys that are struggling with pornography, I'm like, hey, put a password on your phone, right? I mean, put a password on your TV. So we do, we do the defense thing, but the number one thing, like, I'll be honest, like, that's not going to work for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to pursue God with all of your heart, right? If you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him, I promise, 
And as you seek him with all of your heart, you're, you're like, like, listen, the way the Spirit walks is it's the opposite direction of all the temptations you face. So if you just focus on pursuing God with all of your heart, you're going to leave a lot of things behind automatically. Does that make sense? Cool. All right, I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to let you go. We've got Bible study classes for all of you. Uh, I'll pray. I've got one quick announcement, or maybe two. I don't know. Catherine's not here, so I'm doing lots of uh, Just one? Just one? Two? Two? I don't know. It'll be great. Uh, Lord, um, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for allowing this to be a place that we can come just kind of broken, kind of come with our own backstories, come facing our own problems, and we can just hear your word uh, in this amazing promise that, yeah, you allow us to be tempted, but, but you're faithful, God. You're faithful in your love for us, and you will never give us more than we can handle when we are walking in your spirit. And you always provide us a way out. For everyone that came through the doors this morning struggling with some kind of secret sin, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would encourage them in the depths of who they are, that you would give them a vision for a life that they could live apart from that sin, apart from that temptation. I pray that you would just strengthen their innermost being this morning and you would remind them that you are teaching them how to persevere, that this will make them stronger, this will make them a better person, and you will use them for your glory and your gain as they continue to seek you out with all of their heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.